0: Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. The Safe Haven Podcast is a space for you to be real, raw, emotional, vulnerable, hilarious, and or completely carefree. This podcast offers a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life in a judgment-free zone. Join me and my powerful guests as we dive into a variety of conversations and topics. Listen from where you are, as you are. Think laugh, and cry along with us whether you're in your car, in the kitchen, chasing your kids, running your business, caregiving for someone you love, getting a mani-pedi, while you're in the hospital, a treatment center, sitting on the deck, on the dock, or out for a run. These weekly stories and messages will hit you right in the heart space, fill up your cup, and recharge your spirits. Joining me today is my new friend we just met Anna Swisterski and Anna is going to be telling us a little bit of a timeline throughout her life and how she has come to title herself and her beautiful work that she's doing right now as a shadow guide she's doing shadow work and she's helping people knock out some of the things that are just preventing them from being their best self and living their best life so Anna thank you so much for joining me today
1: Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. This is so lovely to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's really neat too. um, As this podcast grows, the listeners are reaching out to me or some of my guests are saying, you know, have you ever heard about so-and-so or have you spoken to so-and-so? And And often the answer is, you know, no, I haven't ever heard of this person or no, I've never been in contact with this person. So even though i would written out my list of so many different guests that I knew I wanted to have, it's already growing. And this makes me so excited. So our mutual friend, Ursula was actually the one who put us in touch and it was really only a few weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. I know. So that was really neat. Did she reach out to you and tell you about me or did I reach out?
1: Um, no, you've reached out. She didn't tell me anything
0: about it. She didn't? <laughs> <laughs> Ursula, shout out to you. So that's actually really funny. Okay. I didn't know that because, um, when she reached out to me, she sent me this really beautiful message and she sent me, um, she basically forwarded me your most recent instagram post basically saying that this is what i'm into this is what i'm working with um follow along reach out if you have any questions so i read through your post and went oh this is right up my alley i'm into this kind of stuff and i always trust Ursula. i think she's great so when i reached out to you i totally thought that she would have said something like hey this crazy chick amanda's going to be approaching you to be on a podcast or something like that and she didn't so i don't (laughs) know It is <laughs> what it is. So, um, yeah, so welcome. And I'd love for you to start with, you know, a, a kind of a basic timeline about life. And we're going to dive into, like, you can give me the basics. We're going to dive into a few things more in depth um, shortly. But what's a basic timeline as to, you know, family, where you grew up, where you went to school, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, I grew up in Windsor, Ontario. Um, but... Previous to that, um, so I moved to Windsor when I was, I think, four, Mm -hmm. the age of four. Um, Before that, I lived in Calgary, and uh, I was born in Austria. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, fun fact in my family is all three siblings have been born in a different country. Okay, Austria? Austria, Poland, and Canada. That's very cool. Yeah. So, my parents are Polish, Um, and yeah so on the way from Poland, um, I was born so <laughs> traveling from Poland to Canada. yeah I, I was born and then my sister was born in Calgary, and obviously my brother was born in Poland. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um in yeah, so in Windsor, um, I lived in Windsor till yeah till I was 18. Oh wow, so you spent a lot of your life there. Yeah, so from the age of four to 18, I was in Windsor, uh-huh. um, and from a very early age, I can't remember how early, I remember wanting to get out of Windsor. Mm-hmm. I've heard <laughs> I was, that like, from a lot
0: of people that have grown up in Windsor.
1: It was some inner knowing of, like, I have to leave,
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I actually really wanted to um, move to BC, mm-hmm. but it was a little too far in my mind at the time, so... Yeah. I uh, decided to move to um, Sault Ste. Marie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just wanted to do something outdoors that was really relatively close to home. Um, so, Sault Ste. Marie set, just seemed like the perfect place. I'm a huge nature lover. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the nature there is like everywhere you have like Lake superior as a playground right. if you haven't been to Lake superior oh my goodness the provincial park there is spectacular yeah. it's my favorite place in Ontario like, okay, cool hands down I, I was actually just recently there and every time I just want to go right back mm-hmm. um and yeah so I did my parks and outdoor recreation program there for two years um yeah I was that person that didn't want to I uh, didn't know what the heck she wanted to do after high school. I just knew I loved nature. Yeah, um, and nature was uh, nature combined with the idea of guiding people mm-hmm. outdoors was mm-hmm. like the perfect combination, right. and I loved it. I did um, one of my first jobs was working on Georgian
0: Bay Islands National Park. Where did, what did you do in the national park, or um, what did you what did you do as a as a guide?
1: Um, okay, so I wasn't technically, um, guiding. It was, what was I doing? I was, uh, I was the park interpreter. Were you really? Yeah, so I was leading people on nature trails. Let's say guiding like that. So I was guiding people on, uh, like, you know, when you come to the park, they're like, oh, this guided nature trail, um, come join us. Okay. So I would be the person that like invents all the like different activities that you do and like do scavenger hunts <laughs> in the park and like lead them on trails right. and stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, so the person that was on the boat that like took you over to the island mm. and just told you all the things. Would about have been an park. enjoyable job. I loved it. I bet you did. So much. Yeah. I loved it. Um, so was this a college
0: program or a university program? You were going to school there, you said, but this was a college program okay um yeah so I was there for three years ministry of natural resources no um ministry of natural resources obviously not the MNR but it was something about natural resources
1: yeah natural resource management
0: there it is there's the M the M was close <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> yes um so then yeah um so for the two years it was par- so it was all under sort all under the umbrella of. Um, Natural Resources. Mm -hmm. So the first two years was Parks and Natural Recreation. And then I did Integrated Resource Management. Um, And then after that, uh, again, I had no idea what to do next. Mm -hmm. Because being a park interpreter, obviously, I had no idea how to like progress that into a career. Mm -hmm. Um, So I also really enjoyed um, the idea... Working for like I was working under biologists in the natural resource program So I'd be like the field monkey so the person that they're like Mm -hmm. gonna go to this Mm -hmm. Pick minnows from these (laughs) spots So I did that so then I realized I'm like, I don't want to be a field monkey. Yeah, so I I want to actually Tell the monkeys what to do exactly exactly so then I decided to go back home and uh, Go back to the University of Windsor or go back home and go to university there and start my biology degree. Um, and I was there for three years and I really enjoyed it. And, um, I had some really cool opportunities there. I, um, went to, uh, I worked in a project, a really cool project with a professor that worked in the oil sands Mm -hmm. in Fort McMurray. Hmm. So for two summers, I would go to Fort McMurray and, uh, Uh, Work on some of the projects with him there Um, So I would work in all the Reclaimed wetlands And study that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, And I really loved it And so my love of the north Grew pretty strong When I was up there Mm -hmm. Um, And then After the three years uh, uh, My boyfriend at the time He was a pilot And uh He decided to move to the Northwest Territories to go uh, accumulate pilot hours. That's what they do. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, before moving along to the bigger companies. And so what happened? Yeah, so I was like, he's going, I'm game, I'm going. So I totally decided to quit school Mm because... I actually, at the time, really didn't see that progressing. Like, sorry, just backtracking a little. While I was in university, I had this insight of, like, I do not want to be a biologist anymore. Yeah. Like, that's not for me. So I didn't know what to do. And so when this idea of moving up north with him came up, I was was game. I was... When I found a job, I was up there so fast. Mm -hmm. And, um... So I wasn't done my degree. I think I was like I I was probably six months from being finished oh school. Like wow. it was some ridiculously short amount of time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe it was a year, but it could have been shorter. Um and I I packed up my bags and I was like, I'm done. I don't even want to do it. What that. did your parents
0: like, say? They freaked out oh yeah especially <laughs> if you're that close to being done
1: totally but they also know that I'm kind of one of those people that like when I set my mind to something there's no stopping in me so it wasn't necessarily my parents that were the people that uh were the most upset about it it was more like family friends that were like you're how many credits away from finishing and you're um, leaving <laughs> you're leaving and then further along in my journey when people hear about it they're like why don't you just go back and finish it like Mm -hmm. do like distance ed just so you could have that degree Mm -hmm. to have that little piece of paper right you're like nah no (laughs) not for me yeah I mean so like on some level like there was a part of me where I for sure knew that I didn't want to do it and then there was another part of me that had this like Mm, Was that a good idea or not? Mm -hmm. And so, like, there was definitely not Some uh, There was a lack of resolution there For a while Mm -hmm. But, hey, Northwest Territories Yeah, oh my god So, yeah, I moved to the Northwest Territories And, uh When So I lived up there for two years I found a job um, In the same company As my boyfriend at the time Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was an office administrative type of job. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. I really liked it while I was there. Um, but yeah, being a nature lover, um, walking outside, mountains, mm-hmm.
0: everywhere. Did you it's see sexy. yourself? Yeah, the Mackenzie River. Oh Beautiful. Did, but did you see that as being a long-term home, even from just arriving? You're like, yep, love it. No,
1: no, I definitely knew it was a shorter term thing, but I knew I wanted to live there for, um, a time period where, yeah, like a couple of years, I definitely saw like two to five years I mm-hmm. saw in my, in my vision when I saw myself doing right. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful experience I I loved it. I loved. I actually really enjoyed the winters there. That's usually one of the first questions everyone always asks me. How was the winter? And you loved it. I loved it. I loved it because like when you walk outside, it was minus 30 degrees. And you just know it's minus 30 degrees. There's no, if it's minus 20 or anything colder, you just know you have to put on your parka. You have to put on all the clothes. Mm -hmm. Whether it's minus 20 or if it's minus 40, it's a constant. Right. There's no difference. It's just a, like the chance of hypertherm- Or Sorry, no, frostbite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, don't go jumping into the lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so, um, or like end up in a snowbank would be brutal. Okay, so frostbite. Yeah, that would be a real fear. Oh, totally. So one day,
1: um, the first time I experienced minus 40, I I had my hood on and like you know when you see the fur in your Canada goose I had that all going but I didn't have a face shield on um so I walked outside and I was walking for about three minutes and I touched my nose and I just felt it kind of I can't describe the feeling maybe it was numb but it was I knew that I had to like cover my face and run to work because it was getting that it felt like the like the situation was escalating that's bad. <laughs> yeah, and then so, so from that day on, I would check the weather and be like, "Is it minus
0: thirty? Because I I could safely walk wow. without the face shield." <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no kidding. So how long were you actually in the Northwest Territory total then? Two years. Two years. Yeah. So. And why did you leave?
1: Um. Why? Yeah. Um. Because my boyfriend left, and then I, I just Ugh. didn't know what to do. So yeah. Yeah. So. I, um, he left, and then I think a month and a half later, I left as well. And so we move, or we moved back to.
0: His. So you're still together. He didn't leave the relationship. You guys were.
1: Yeah, we were still
0: together. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um. So he left to go move home, and then I moved back to Guelph. Mm-hmm. That's that's where we moved back to. Um, Guelph. About a month and a half. After him, I followed. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so we were living in Guelph, um, and I found another job that basically the same job that I did uh, in the Northwest Territories. I did the same job here um, at the Kitchener Waterloo Airport, actually. Mm-hmm. And I did the same job, and uh during that time is when I started uh picking up my
0: photography back up right you actually go back to that because you were talking about how you'd gotten into photography and nature photography and some portrait photography when you were in the northwest territories but I don't think you elaborated much on that
1: right okay so in the northwest territories I um picked up my camera up again Mm -hmm. actually I bought a whole new setup Um, ever since I was a kid I really loved photography I've always loved it Um, but I would say there I really took it seriously like I started studying it that's where I learned all of my skills Mm -hmm. was up there Um, and I started with nature photography um, doing a lot of landscapes um, photographing the aurora Mm -hmm. uh, that's on my bucket list
0: just seeing it in all of its glory oh my gosh yeah it's if you didn't know, rubbing your engines like that is really cool. Yes. Isn't it aggressive, isn't it? I don't know what the point of that is. No, me oh either. He's really cool. <laughs> but he's gone now. Okay, keep
1: yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so it started with landscape photography. Yep. Um, and...
0: The Aurora. Oh, sorry, the Aurora. <laughs> right, so yeah. that is so on my bucket list. It's actually seeing that in all its splendor somewhere in the world, camping under it. <gasps>
1: Oh, my gosh. I would say that is one of my top gratitudes for living up there is when I walked to work in the morning, it was still dark, and they were out mm. always. Amazing. Like, two out of seven days, for sure, guaranteed you saw them. So I was constantly seeing them. Wow. Um. Yeah, it was amazing. And so, yeah, photographing them mm-hmm. was so good, and it really taught me a lot about... Lighting skills obviously, mm-hmm. um, and then I started getting into uh, photographing my friends and doing portrait shots, so yeah. that's how I learned um, how to photograph people. And yeah, and during that time, I went to a wedding, and that's when I decided I'm gonna be a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so coming back to Guelph, I was. Oh, um, trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this aviation job mm-hmm. and figure out how to do something I actually want to do. And so I started picking. Uh, I started doing wedding photography, and I started picking up some jobs here and there. And I actually ended up, uh, for yeah, for a solid three years, I was doing a lot of weddings on the side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a great side gig. Totally, and I loved it, mm-hmm. and it definitely was picking up, and it was amazing. And,
0: yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So from there, your relationship ultimately escalated to a point where you guys were engaged. Yes, yes. So what happened there?
1: Okay. So, um, so I, so we left the Northwest Territories in May 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we got engaged, I believe, in 2010. mm mm-hmm. End of 2010. Um, so we might have been engaged for like six months, I think. But yeah, December 2010 might have been it. And so, uh, what happened was, uh, he, his job asked him to go to Halifax. Mm -hmm. And so he moved to Halifax, um, and I stayed in Guelph. And then I think just the distance between the two of us oh yeah totally separated us um i think we were not seeing eye to eye anymore and yeah
0: had you considered moving out there or you just were not into it
1: um it was always a temporary thing for him to move to halifax he was gonna come back Um, I think it was just the nature of that separation, Mm -hmm. was I think, I didn't actually realize how much I grew during, in the Northwest Territories. Like, the Northwest Territories, I think, shifted and changed me so much, I didn't actually realize or understand how profound of changes happen, like, um, you know, when they talk about, um, like, having spiritual awakenings? For sure. I probably had many of those there Mm -hmm. but i didn't understand what a spiritual awakening was there like the idea of meeting a certain person not even a romantic type of person Mm -hmm. it was just a person that like energetically shifted me Mm -hmm. um that happened and being around new types of people and being in a whole new vibration started shifting me that when i came back home and was in Guelph uh, I think the like our vibrations were totally off but I didn't really understand that kind of language at the time to even pinpoint it mm-hmm. or even understand how to articulate why the two of us weren't connecting even though I still like, the confusing part for me was that I really loved him but understanding that like I can like love someone but I don't have to be with him mm-hmm. This concept, like, I don't think I had enough knowledge to recognize or understand, like, that's what happens. Like, you can still love a person, but... Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You don't have to be with them. So, I think, yeah, in my journey, like, I didn't have that kind of awareness to understand that. Um, And, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was more him that ended it, I guess, The really amazing part is that he recognized it and he had the guts to actually say what was happening. And he just basically said he was really unhappy. I mean, like, in that moment... Right. Okay. So I'm saying it like it was no big deal,
0: but it was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, breakups are, especially when you spend that much of your life with someone.
1: Yeah. Oh. So to go back, I was with him for ten years.
0: There you go. That's a
1: significant part of your life. It, it is my entire twenties I have spent with him. Mm-hmm. From basically the start of college. Yeah. From when I was nineteen to twenty-nine, mm-hmm. I was with him. So the moment he told me, um, uh, I'm not happy anymore with you. It was like a huge relief, but a huge um, shock to Mm -hmm. the system. It was like, you know, when they say it's like life just pulls the rug from underneath you. Yeah. It was one of those types of moments. It's also complete restart at 29 years old. Complete and total restart. Because in that moment... I realized that how much of my life I invested in his life Mm -hmm. and how much I didn't, like, pay attention to me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It all... Like, that was my huge awareness was why didn't I pay attention to me? That was my first insight. Yeah, it was definitely a shocker. So... One of the first things that I would say was really that happened was three... I had maybe three friends at the time that I considered to be mine and not his. And he was, like, one of those people that had, like, lots of friends. Um, his family was pretty big. He had lots of friends around him. And I kept, like, one or two... I've always been that type of person where I'm like, I have one or two really good friends and then, like, other people are acquaintances. And then I, like, emotionally invested my time with his friends. And so... When the separation happened, I was like, oh, my God, I have one friend right now in this area. Mm -hmm. And I I literally just was like, okay, well, I'm going to move from Guelph, and I'm going to move to Mississauga. And I'm just going to go hang out with her and find a place around her so I have, like, one person to be around. And thank God that person, Ashley is her name, was, like, a godsend. She was literally my earth angel because I literally had nobody closer at that time in that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say, like, reflecting back on that time, I didn't realize how traumatizing that situation was. Mm-hmm. Of like, the only thing that was keeping me together was um, my job. Mm-hmm. And that one friend and my sister, and all I wanted to do was just quit my job and move back home. Mm -hmm. And my sister was like, I'm so grateful she said this. Mm -hmm. She was like, don't you dare move back home. She's like, you have to keep that job and you have to stay here. You have to keep your independence. Mm -hmm. That's all you have right now. Good feedback. Totally. I don't know if she's, I don't even know if she remembers saying that, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, sister. Hmm? Shout out to the sister. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yes. So the first thing that, so Ashley was really into spiritual things. She mm. was the first one that introduced me to um, different books and stuff, but one book she gave me that was definitely the pivotal book is um, The Anatomy of the Spirit. Yes. Carolyn Miss. Yes. Got it. <laughs> that was my first book. Totally changed my world. Ashley was like, let's play with our energy. And I was like, "Wow, cool. Look at my energy. Um, and it was amazing. And then she introduced me to some different types of healers. So I worked with this one woman, Carolyn DuPont, mm-hmm. which is in Richmond Hill, and did a lot of energy work with her. And then, um, then I started... Then I uh, was introduced to Para Yoga Canada mm-hmm. and I started going to classes there. And, um, yeah, I got really, really involved with the yoga community. I loved it. I was there all the time. And then I did my yoga teacher training mm-hmm. there. And um, And then... I did it with them and I did it with Baron Baptiste. Mm -hmm. I did a week of yoga teacher training there. And, uh, but after yoga, something that I noticed was yoga stirred up a lot of emotions in me. Mm It does that. Like, powerful. It's very powerful. It's like, it felt like a snow globe effect to me. Mm -hmm. So, like, everything got shaken up. But the thing with um, maybe that particular style of yoga or just in general, in the yoga community, I didn't really know what to do with that emotion Mm -hmm. or what to do with that energy. And one of the things that I started cluing into was that I actually feel a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't actually understand how um, sensitive, not even sensitive, like extra, Sensitive, like hyper aware, like really hyper aware, how much I can actually sense things. Um, that I had to investigate that more, so Reiki was my first introduction to that. And I started, um, uh, with yeah, I did my Reiki level one in the springtime, and then I did the Reiki level two, and I actually start yeah, I started. Um, doing treatments on people, and I really love doing that. Um, but then, again, something happened where I was doing um, the healing sessions, and I realized that my emotions were being stirred up so much. Even though in in Reiki, you just focus on the Reiki light, mm-hmm. something in that was stirring my the energy up in me, that I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, So I would literally feel like I would want to pass out during Mm -hmm. the sessions. Mm -hmm. So then I was introduced to shamanism through a family friend, through one of my mom's good friends, Brenda. And um, she did a journey with me, a shamanic journey with me, and introduced me to my first power animal. And that was when I got my first insight of connecting back to my soul. It was such a powerful um and profound feeling of reconnection mm-hmm. like this is what my soul feels like and it felt so real and tangible it wasn't like you know oh that was a nice experience i was like no that's mine mm-hmm. and so i started getting obsessed with this idea of like all right so that was my inner world and i found this um magic inside of me and i wanted more mm-hmm. i started Progressing and trying to understand the shamanic journey and practicing but again my emotions were like so overwhelming I I couldn't figure out how to work with them So I mean through process of elimination I started trying to do stuff and nothing was really working And I completely I guess this might be a ta- side tangent But I just dove into photography because mm. I was like I don't know what to do with any of this. I'm done with this work. Nothing's happening here. Like, like I just don't even understand, like, this energy I'm experiencing, what it is. And so I started doing photography, and I really started loving doing portrait sessions. And something sparked in me when I started working in the portrait sessions, that I actually started understanding what I was feeling through photographing another person. Hmm. Um... And I don't know specifically how I was figuring this out, but like my emotion, the energy I was feeling started to, uh, start to make sense. Like it's, it's like the energy started going from chaos to like clarity. Like I started to recognize what I was feeling in someone else. Like I don't necessarily know what you're feeling, but I'm start, I feel something that I'm recognizing in me. So I, I started learning how to feel what I was feeling through other people mm-hmm. in my photography work. And then the how people were resonating in the portrait sessions was they were just feeling really seen and heard and recognized when I was doing it. And so this undercurrent of like, well, I'm not really looking at your light. There's this whole concept of like be the light, mm-hmm. see the light in others. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I see the light in others, but I also see this other aspect of these energy currents that are happening within another person. I started becoming interested in that because I'm I'm not looking at your light. I'm looking at this energy flowing, and this energy doesn't feel like necessarily light. It feels like currents of energy that I would say look more black. And so I've started becoming fascinated. I wouldn't call it black, but it Definitely didn't look light. They looked more shadowy. So I started becoming really fascinated with what that is and After some time I started getting really um Not so interested in picking up my camera. I was like, I don't think I'm really interested in taking this person's photo I'm really interested in feeling what this person's feeling and so working with this energy so I guess I came to this point where I love seeing and working with the energy that i like that's the what i now believe is called the shadow so as an aside what i in my spare time what i would always do is i would journal i journal every day i've journaled every day for the last five years amazing like consistently nonstop. like meditating like anywhere meditation could be like minimum 20 minutes a day to like Some days it has been four hours because it's just so much bombardment of what I'm feeling that I have to get to the bottom of what I'm feeling. And Mm. I was like, if it's going to take me four hours to figure this out, it's going to take me four hours. And so I started understanding what, like, um, decoding, I guess, is what I was doing. I was decoding what my, like, okay, that's anger, that's rage, that's happiness. Because I, I didn't actually understand that all my emotions were all, like, bottled up. And, like, tied up in a knot. And I had to, like, unravel it all and understand, like, this energy is called frustration. And this energy is called sadness. And so, um yeah, that unraveling process through journaling and meditating really helped me understand all those emotions and mm-hmm. feelings. So then I came to realize that I actually really want to work with the shadow. And so the shadow is I just basically define the shadow as anything in that you can't see it's just it's either in the subconscious or their unconscious thoughts it's neither good nor bad like they're hidden they're just hidden aspects and within those hidden aspects of ourselves are gems they're like there's aspects of ourselves that um were covered up for whatever reason like maybe this aspect that was like super outrageously happy had to suppress herself when she was 12 because it just didn't really fit the mold at that time so in order to survive you have to suppress it and cover it up and be like i ain't showing my happy side mm-hmm. and so um so in the shadow is where that happiness lies so people get scared of the shadow because they think everything in there is dark and bad and everything in there needs to be healed Sometimes things just don't really need to be healed. You just, it also depends how you're defining healing. But I believe you just have to navigate into that shadow, recover that aspect, and be like, hey, it's cool. You can be happy again. And then you come back out into the light. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you facilitate a session? Or how do you? help people recognize what their shadows might be
1: so in a session i first um before the session even starts i asked i asked the client to come with with something so that something is anything so a lot of the women i work with are entrepreneurs and um common things that they experience are overwhelm stuckness Mm -hmm. unclarity so i asked them to come with those kinds of things so I want to go to this place in my business, but I'm feeling stuck. So it's like
0: a subconscious obstacle of some sort.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that obstacle, um, when you're seeing through your mind's eye, the obstacle, the obstacle is the shadow. Mm -hmm. So you're already working with the shadow. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's how I begin this session. Um, So the shadow is always pretty obvious what it is Mm -hmm. when they come into the session when I'm working with the shadow because when you're in the shadow everything it is on clarity. you don't really know what's going on you just know you, you want to go to this point in your business whatever it is like let's say you want to make a certain amount of money in your business and dominant emotion is overwhelm you just don't know what to like what what's the next step like there's so many options there's so much confusion so For example, um, you want to make $4,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So $4,000 a month, the predominant feeling is overwhelm. So in that overwhelm, the common thing that happens is people get stuck in overwhelm and they think the overwhelm is the obstacle. But the overwhelm is not necessarily the obstacle. It's, it likes to get bottled up into like, this is the limiting belief. And It's something that we need to get rid of so the focus becomes on the overwhelm like I want to get rid of the overwhelm So you think you're coming into the session because you want to heal overwhelm or you want to release overwhelm But overwhelm has nothing to do with it or not that it doesn't have anything to do with it It's a forgetfulness that you actually want $4,000 a month and the overwhelm becomes I have to do this and I have to do that, and there's just so many things to do. And you think you have to do so many things when in reality, you just need to sit still and just de- first of all decide that you feel overwhelmed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It always, you always have to make the decision that you feel overwhelmed in wanting to make four thousand dollars. The moment you decide you're overwhelmed is the moment you release the franticness there's a franticness of oh like I have so many like I have a million things to do and be like you become consumed in the million things you have to do when in reality it's a decision like I feel overwhelmed and I think I need to do all these things mm-hmm. the moment the decision of overwhelm happens uh is a moment you're like okay oh, I feel overwhelmed cool and so then I take I get the client to that session sorry, to that point where they understand it's just in deciding that that I now present the question, what would it be like if I made $4,000 a month?
0: So it's now on the positive side of it as opposed to being suppressed by being overwhelmed. Is it like actualization? What? So they can actualize, they can actually visualize and feel and feel the sensations of what making the $4,000 a month would be like.
1: Yeah, so I'm getting that, that yeah. to that point because the fixation has been on the overwhelm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They forget about the feeling of why they want the four thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. and they get really consumed by the overwhelm um and but they think they need to put the overwhelm aside you don't put the overwhelm aside you work from the overwhelm okay you work in the overwhelm and in working in the overwhelm the moment you relax into the overwhelm and say yes i feel overwhelmed that's when you reconnect to the intention so it's like question that's presented is, what would it be like if I made $4,000 a month? So in the session, I use drumming, and I ask them to keep repeating the question over and over during the drumming session. And every single time they ask the question, wait for a response. Ask for the question, wait for a response. What they realize is, first of all, they reconnect to their decision of wanting to make $4,000. Sometimes they'll say something like, well, actually, it's not $4,000. I want to make $10,000 or they'll figure out this is what I need to do. Like they'll actually find a pathway to what their actual step is
0: mm-hmm. in creating the next step. I'm not sure if that answers the question. No, I think it does. Absolutely it does. Okay. So what has been your biggest challenge with, you know, having now made this declaration of working with, you know, or doing the shadow work and sh- as a shadow guide? What's been your biggest challenge with moving forward in that? The biggest challenge, okay. Do you think that people are open-minded to it? Yes. Um. So the
1: biggest challenge is understanding how to... Because the people who are open to it are definitely open to it. And they're like, yes, yeah. where have you been all my life? Yep. It is a clear yes, concise yes. I guess the biggest challenge is how to present this information so the person is a yes. Because I haven't quite seen anyone do what I do in, like, in the that i have so like i've streamlined uh my work in such a way to create shadow guiding but that place of telling someone what it is and them understanding what it is has been a
0: bit of a challenge Mm -hmm. and i think too that the more that you dive into this because again this is still quite new that you've really stepped into this yeah right And I think that the more clients that you have and the more that you're able to facilitate that healing, that you're going to just naturally find those words and that explanation. So that if someone asked you on the street, "Yo, what is it that you do? You could just be, you know, rhyming off exactly what it is because it's from an authentic place.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Because it is
1: still relatively in its new stages, articulating Mm -hmm. in such a way
0: that it's understood. Yeah. For sure. Do you have anywhere on social media that people can follow you?
1: Yes. Um, So my Insta handle is, and it's Anna underscore Swisterski. Mm -hmm. Which I
0: will put in the podcast notes. Perfect. Yeah. And um, yes, on Facebook as well, Anna Swisterski. Anna Swisterski. Okay. What are your goals? What what does moving forward in this look like for you? What are you visualizing? What, what's going to be, you know,
1: your next step? So moving it from being a part-time thing that I do on the side, Mm -hmm. moving into full-time work, Mm -hmm. um, also running workshops Mm -hmm. where I teach people how to connect to those aspects of themselves, like Mm -hmm. how to dive into that work on their own without being like me facilitating it, like how to use a drum and how to connect, how to, how to move through unclarity and how to move through overwhelm and sit in it learn how to sit in really really tough emotions and know that there's gems on the other side when yeah. you move through it
0: i love to wrap up my sessions and interviews talking about self care so it sounds like you've been through some some hectic things in your life and you know like you say sometimes when you're in it you don't necessarily realize just how much it's affected you but i think that with new experiences or situations good and bad, we slowly start to figure out exactly who we are and what we need to reconnect. So assuming life has just gone bonkers, what does coming back to center look like for you?
1: Okay, so I always start with the basic. Mm-hmm. Basics for me is to meditate and the way I meditate is, I don't know if it's unconventional or what it is, but to me meditating is really simple. It's just sitting and observing what's happening like understanding what am i experiencing in this hectic time is it overwhelm is it is it confusion is it anxiety what is it and tapping into that into those feelings and then sitting in meditation and writing it like actually having a pen and paper listen write listen write mm-hmm. and sit for as long as possible start to figure out what is actually going on that's really awesome yeah what about self-care? I would say it's probably the exact same thing. I would yeah. always say self-care for me is always sitting down with the journal, mm-hmm. always meditating. Awesome. Yeah. Always coming back to those two things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what would be a message that you would leave our listeners with for someone who is just, you know, kind of sitting on the edge, teetering back and forth to jumping into something that just sets their soul on fire? What would you tell them?
1: I would say if in the teetering when they're experiencing those tough things like those really big feelings of overwhelm and confusion, sit in it and be with it.
0: It's great advice, (laughs) it's great advice. It is not an obstacle, it is part of the process. I love that. Uh, You know what? That has been some of the best advice I've ever been given because in order to appreciate both highs and lows in your life you need to experience both you know so that when you're in a high you've been in a low so you can appreciate it and when you're in a low you've experienced a high so you know that it's not the end you know it's it's cyclical and that those waves and those those highs and lows darks and lights are ultimately what create that life balance and teach us lessons and the sitting in it i believe is where the lessons are learned
1: yes exactly definitely I agree, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're this welcome. So thank
0: you for sharing. It's, it is a little, it can be nerve wracking to just, you know, put your heart on the line and to share something with a bunch of strangers that know nothing about you. But there is, there is such a power in vulnerability and sharing your story. And again, you don't know who needs to hear your story until it's been shared. And the the ability to open up and connect you don't even know that you're connecting with people but people are connecting with you right now by listening so it's pretty powerful it is yeah yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. i'm so grateful for having me. thank you yeah
0: thank you thank you for joining me guys thank you so much for listening to another episode of the safe haven podcast please make sure that you subscribe like share these episodes and comment as you follow along your generous support keeps the sharing and messages coming your way you can find the safe haven podcast on spotify Apple Podcasts and on Podbean, and you can also follow along on Instagram at the Safe Haven Podcast for the latest updates. I'll talk to you next week.